Welcome back to another edition of Bass Edge Radio. Unbelievably, episode number 169. Aaron, we've really been piling these things out. We sure have, and the longevity of not only the amount of episodes that we've done, but also just our sponsor support, Kurt, quite amazing. And of course, as always, Bass Edge Radio is brought to you by MegaWare Keelguard. Visit them at keelguard.com. Aaron, super excited. We're bringing a new professional angler to Bass Edge Nation this month. If they haven't met him before, they're going to get to know him today, and that is Keith Combs in our Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. want to remind all Bass Edge Nation listeners that they can check us out on our Facebook page, of course, our Twitter handle, and if they've got some feedback for us, we'd love to hear from them at our email, support at BassEdge.com. Well, Kurt, although he is new possibly to some of the Bass Edge listeners, he is certainly not new to ranking up the wins and showing us how it's done out on tour. It's going to be an exciting show. Welcome aboard, everybody. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. Keel Guard keel protectors. Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three. Listening to the Edge, everything bass fishing from the Bass Edge Studios, high above Table Rock Lake in the Missouri Ozarks. Well, Kurt, we find ourselves here at the beginning of October, and there's nothing quite like the coolness to the air postseason baseball and bass fishing yeah you're exactly right Aaron you know it's wound down you know the tournament season is concluded for me you know now's the time to really just get out and enjoy yourselves on the water for myself and, and it's an exciting time of year to do that so uh, I look forward to it you know I, I'm gonna miss catching all those big brown smallmouth up north but I'm happy to be back in Texas for the duration of the fall and uh, I tell you you know you got a lot of exciting things coming up here with the holidays and family time and I know we've got some exciting discounts in bass Hey, Jaren, what is that stuff we've got going on for our listeners this month? Actually, our title sponsor, MegaWare Keelguard, heard them many times. For the month of October for calendar year 2013, they are extending a 15% discount across the board. You can get on their website at keelguard.com, scroll through all their different products, put together your shopping list, call that 1-800 number, tell Nancy that Bass Ed sent you, and when you place your order, all you have to do is tell them the discount code C. P A that C is in cat, P is in Paul, A is in Apple, two zero one three and that will get you 15% off your entire order. Well, I'm going to take advantage of that. i got to tell you, Aaron, you know, I had a birthday last month, and I'm uh, now in my low 40s. And, uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about that uh, flex step keel guard. I think I've been busting my knee way too many times on my gunnel jumping in and out of that boat, so I see me using that discount to make my fishing a little bit easier in the future. Well, Kurt, I just thought you shaved your legs on your shin there. I didn't know it was from scratching all the hair <laughs> off your legs. Well, well, it's falling off because I'm getting older, too, so it's probably a little bit of fun. <laughs> hey, I'm looking forward to uh, an awesome episode. Again, you know, we talked a little bit about it in the intro, but we've got a brand-new angler here to Bass Edge Radio, and that's Keith Combs. We've got Keith on the line. Let's get him on here and talk a little fall fishing. Bass Edge Radio, we'll be right back. 
At Legend Boats, we have one agenda, to build the finest bass boat on the water. It's our passion. Our hand-laid hulls and zero-tolerance stringer and transom system give you a smooth, dry ride, even in the rough stuff. The Alpha 211 with its massive fishing platform. The Alpha 199, fast and stable. And coming soon, the Alpha 191, a 19-footer with a style, attitude, and a price value all its own. Legend Boats, catch the wave, ride with a legend. More Bass Edge in 30 seconds. First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Hey, Bass Edge Nation, this is James Niggemeyer, and you are tuned in to Aaron and Kurt on Bass Edge Radio. Per usual Bass Edge Radio standards of featuring top anglers, we have with us a two-tour veteran that has been competitively fishing for over half of his life. He is a name that gives the word consistency a whole new meaning and commonly finds himself having to order extra deposit slips for his checking account given the frequency of which he cashes checks in tournaments. We are happy to have BASS Elite Angler Keith Combs with us. Keith, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Aaron Kurt. How y'all doing? We are doing great and uh, anxious to kind of dive off and pick your brain here a little bit, Keith. And if you would, let's just jump right into the personal side of Keith and, and who you are and how you found yourself in the sport of bass fishing. Well, I fished my whole life. I mean, as far back as I can remember, my parents were taking me fishing. And when I was in middle school, I guess it was, I really started to um, you know, find out that guys are making a living tournament fishing. I had always competed in something, too. You know, I fished, and I was always playing some kind of sport when I was a kid. And, you know, I think really it was about middle school when I found out you could do both and actually maybe make a living doing that. And that kind of became my focus at that time. And, you know, ever since I was uh, 13, 14 years old, bass fishing was really all I thought about and, you know, all I wanted to do for a living. That's awesome, Keith. You know, we talk so much about introducing young kids to the sport of bass fishing. Obviously, you know, it sounds like your parents had a role in that. How important do you think that was to get involved at such a young age? You know, I, I think it's everything to get somebody, when they're young, involved in it, if they want to be. It's such an in-depth sport. You can't really push it on somebody unless they're super interested in doing it. But, you know, I was, and uh, I went fishing as often as I could. But uh, if a kid is interested in that, I mean, I totally encourage their parents to uh, let them pursue it because it can be a way to make a living that they enjoy. I go to work every day doing something with fishing, but it really never feels like it because I just love the sport. Yeah, that's what that passion's all about. Keith, you know, you've had a lot of success earlier in your career growing up in Texas. You know, people from Texas knew who Keith Combs was years and years ago because you were lighting it up out there. But then, obviously, you know, you, you started getting onto the national trails and, and fishing the FLW Tour and then moved over to the Elites. Those are two different types of tour. You know, it's the same functionality. You know, you bring in five fish, the five biz you can have. A lot of people want to know, you know, what are the inside stories? What are the differences of the FL Tour of the Bass Elites? Why fish one? 
tour versus the other tour. What is your focus versus the FLW tour versus Bass Elites, and what are some of the challenges you face, and why do you like one versus the other? That's a good question, Kurt. I get asked that a lot, actually. I started on the FLW tour, and, and I loved it over there. The competition is, in my opinion, equal to what the Bass Elites have. I mean, those fishermen are great. The thing that I noticed right away, the very first elite tournament that I fished was the Classic in 2010. I qualified through the Opens. The biggest difference was the media coverage, the fan base. You know, I feel like there's a lot more of that interaction on the bass side than there is on the FLW. I enjoyed that. You know, some people do not, you know, but I definitely enjoyed interacting with the fans and and the media and stuff. So that was the biggest thing that I saw right away. You know, one of the other things that was a big shocker when I started fishing that first elite season was, you know, it's a smaller field in the elites. You know, on the FLW Tour, I was fishing against 200 pros or 150 pros and that many co-anglers, too. You see a body of water just, like, dwindle every day. I mean, fishing pressure really starts to uh, play a big factor, and, like, the weights go down and down and down. On the elites, it's a smaller field, and you see the weights go up. So, I mean, I enjoy that. It kind of opens up some new things on the water um, just because there's fewer boats out there. But then again, you got uh, spectator boats and things like that on the water too. But they're very similar, but I would say those are probably the two major differences that I saw. Sometimes you see some trending. At Bass Edge, you know, we get a lot of questions about, you know, how to move to the pro side from the co to the pro. You know, there's a lot of people that are fishing just tournaments on a boater side. Do you feel that there is a way to go that behooves them a little bit better? You see kind of a trend of, you know, you see the Bobby Lane, he fished FLW Tour, then came to the Bass Elites and had a lot of success. You see that with Steve Kennedy. You saw that with yourself. Do you think that that's a good trend or do you think that that is a proper way to fluidly move up the boat? side to go to one tour and then graduate kind of to another tour or what's your thought process there i started kind of at the everstart level because there was texas everstarts and the next step for me was to fish on the flw tour but uh, you know I, I don't think a fisherman that's trying to come up the ranks should use the FLW Tour as like a training ground to move to the elites or something like that, because I don't think it is. Um, I really think that the competition at the top of the FLW Tour is the same at the top of the Bass Elites. And I think you're going to have the uh, same difficulty cashing a check or winning an FLW Tour as you do on the elite. So in my eyes, I consider that top 60 to 80 fishermen on the FOW Tour equal to the same as the Bass Elite. So I don't think that that's really, you know, a way to, to move up. I, I think what you saw with, like, you know, Bobby and Steve and those guys, were they were on the FOW Tour. Uh, they qualified through the elites to the Opens, and uh, this is the same with me, and just wanted to try something different. You know, they get over there and their personalities, and, and they like that fan and media interaction. So... You know, that's where they've chosen to stay at for now. But uh, I think, you know, the best way is kind of decide on what you like, whether you you want that more laid-back FLW Tour lifestyle or maybe that uh, Bass Elite lifestyle and then just either come up through the Everstores or come up through the Bass Open. Well, one thing about it, Keith, whether you're fishing at the top level or whether you're not even fishing tournaments at all, you know, you we still have to put fish in the boat to really kind of be able to enjoy and expand in the sport. And one of the things that that comes down to, whether you're in a float tube or a bass boat, is consistency. And I had mentioned in the opening your undisputed consistency. Describe to us what you attribute your success to. Be as vain as what you possibly can here, because I would love to know what makes Keith Combs as successful as what he is. Well, thanks, Aaron. I appreciate that. I mean, 
really, I think that, that I've been fortunate enough to spend a ton of time on the water. And, you know, I, I don't think that there's any way around that. I mean, I think that's going to help your consistency out because you're going to be able to gain confidence in a lot of different techniques. You know, I've fished as much as I could since I've been 13. So, um, you know, for the last 20 years, I've, I've been thinking about bass like every day or fishing every day. And uh, I think for me, you know, there, there are fishermen who have made like their entire career based on one or two proven techniques like fishing a jig or fishing a crankbait or sight fishing or something like that. To me, I, I really enjoy trying to learn everything from finesse fishing to flipping to sight fishing. I mean, I like to do it all, but I, I really don't like to learn anything in a tournament. I want to kind of brush up on my thing before I get there. So I would say uh, consistency for me has just been able to spend a ton of time on the water and develop a lot of different techniques that I have confidence in. Then when I get to a body of water, uh, I don't really have to push a technique on the fish. You know, I may not have to find the best fish to do well. You know, I can probably figure out something, get in an area good cranking water or this is good flipping water and you know evolve some kind of pattern around that um, so I think it gives me more options but uh, I'd say it all goes back to just spending a lot of time on the water. Keith when you're on the water this fall you know obviously here we're we're in the beginning of October and you hear a lot of you need to find the bait fish and, and you need to find you know different situations that happen in the fall but when Keith Combs hits the water what's the one or two things you're really going to try and key on and techniques that you like to utilize as we're into October now? Most lakes, Kurt, I really like to catch them cranking, whether it's uh, shallow or deep. Either way, I like to catch them cranking. Then again, it all depends on the lake because, you know, you have an East Texas or a South Texas lake that has grass or, uh, you know, a gunner's reel or something like that, and it kind of takes away, and, you know, you're going to catch them frogging or flipping that mat or something like that. So it really depends on the type of lake, but definitely my biggest confidence in catching quality fish this time of year is going to be catching them cranking but i probably tend to maybe shy away from the numbers game in the fall what i mean by that is on most lakes when fall starts to set in you're definitely going to start to see a lot of bait show up in the backs of bays in the backs of creeks and you can see a lot of fish back in there but you know those may not be the biggest ones in the lake you know there may be a lot of schools of fish that move to the backs of bays and feed on those shad but you're still going to be able to catch your big resident fish off some of the same structures that they lived on in the summertime and a lot of times it gets easier this time of year a lot of lakes are getting low especially like in the south and also other lakes that have a drawdown you know those lakes start to get low uh, what you tend to get is uh, maybe one or two fish still hanging around and i really like to employ a you know running gun strategy run up to a lot of main lake structures or secondary structures within the mouth of a creek flip or crank those type of things just for one or two big fish and, you know, if, if it's a lake you're familiar with and you can move around enough on it, you can catch a big bag of fish and it's almost like you're junk fishing because you're moving so much and fishing so much stuff, but it's really a pattern. I mean, you're really looking for that last one or two that's not really tempted to go in and eat shad with the rest of that school. He's still out there on the main lake feeding on big stuff. So it's a little different twist, but uh, that's really what I'm looking for in the fall. Well, Keith, before we head to break, I'd like to get just a little bit more elaboration because that's the first, I mean, you've kind of, like you said, it is a different twist you know normally most people are solely focused on where the bait fish are running to the back of the creeks hitting that type of usual stuff so what I kind of hear you saying is perhaps pull back
back out a little bit, maybe to the first secondary or, you know, an individual dock or a piece of brush or cover or lay down or something, and perhaps that might be good for a kicker fish or something along those lines. Well, yeah. I mean, really, it's, it's the same type of stuff that you would fish in the summertime, more main lake oriented, maybe not necessarily extremely deep stuff but still main lake oriented has deep water nearby and like you said it's not the kind of thing you're probably going to catch a bunch of fish on but it may be that kicker that you need and you know if it's a lake that i'm not familiar with and i can develop a pattern really quick in the back of a creek and then i can go back in there and catch numbers then I'll probably spend the rest of my practice looking for key locations where I think I can catch that one or two big main lake fish. If it's a lake that I'm familiar with, say, for instance, like Sam Rayburn here where I live, you know, I'll spend my entire practice out there looking for those fish that are a little bit further out just because I know the quality is going to be there. But the one thing I do caution with this pattern is it's not going to replenish. You're really fishing for fish that are going away. So you're going to need a lot of water. And if you catch one there one day, don't look to go back and catch another one the next. Yeah, that seems a kind of a typical situation in the fall where, just like you're talking about, Keith, there's not, you know, huge congregations of fish out there. But the key is when you get one, like you're talking about, it's a good one. Now, when you're out there fishing, you know, looking for those last fish that are holding on those summertime areas, do you still think that you need the pods of bait fish present? Or do you think that's irrelevant? What are you looking for in your electronics in that situation? Uh, you know, I'm not really looking for the bait. I don't think that that's so important because I think you're dealing with a different kind of fish i mean these will be we'll say for instance a texas situation like a rayburn or a, a falcon or something like that the fish that set up on this type of structure are going to be some of your biggest ones in your lake I mean, you're seven to eight nine ten pound fish and i don't think those fish are real interested in feeding on shad you know i think it's going to be more of a crawfish or perch type bluegill something like that or even if you get like in the south texas a tilapia type deal so they're going to have enough of that to get a meal every day but i think what i'm really looking for in my electronics more than anything is something isolated i find that the more isolated i can find something that's going to be my go-to you know and it may be something just a big log out on the end of a ridge a brush pile a rock pile or you know something along those lines different but isolated and uh, a lot of times when i find it i don't even fish it you know if it just looks right something that's isolated isn't, isn't going to take you long to run to make a few casts and generally you're going to catch that fish within the first few casts i would say that's it you know just look for something isolated and maybe don't even fish it in practice just make a few casts on it in the tournament all righty keith we're here at the midway point of the interview and let's take a quick break when we come back we're going to dive in your favorite ways to fish you're listening to bass edge radio presented by megaware keelguard Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Whether you're on the road, on the water, or in your backyard, there's a super start battery when you need one at O'Reilly Auto Parts. From car batteries to batteries for your lawnmower or boat, every super start battery comes with a nationwide replacement warranty. Starting power, starting performance, and starting reliability, super start batteries available exclusively at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio with Aaron Martin and Kurt Dove. We are back on Bass Edge Radio with Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight on Keith Combs. And this segment of the show is brought to you by Lucas Oil High Performance Marine Products. From real oil to two-cycle outboard oil that surpasses all manufacturer's requirements, visit lucasoil.com. It 
works. Hey, Keith, before heading into the break, you know, we started talking about the crankbait application in the fall. What other types of presentations are you going to utilize if, you know, you're out there chucking that crankbait all day? Let's face it, that can, that can wear you out pretty quick. What other kind of baits are you going to utilize to kind of target those areas you've been talking about that are a little bit more offshore? That's something I've actually had to learn the hard way, Kurt. I used to just throw a crankbait, but uh, there's days when they're not going to react to it. You're going to need to pick something else up, and uh, I usually try to go to something opposite of, uh, you know, if I can't catch them cranking, what's something that I can throw in there that's just totally different than a crankbait? And usually it's a big worm. I like to throw a 10-inch worm. And uh, I also like to cast a three-quarter ounce jig or a heavy jig that stays in contact with the bottom. But I really prefer to go to the, the worm first just because it's so easy to fish. It doesn't get hung up very often. It's something big. I want to try to use something big this time of year. 10-inch worm gets a nod and uh, next to that would definitely be you know, a heavy jig, something that stays in contact with the bottom. What makes you want to use a heavy weight versus a light weight, or, or how do you apply that? Well, you know, like this time of year, we're talking about finding that isolated bite, that one or two big fish. And, uh, you know, I found that heavy weight, like a three-quarter ounce jig and, uh, you know, a big worm, and I do peg my weight. And a lot of times on a 10-inch worm, I use a half-ounce tungsten weight. But uh, something that stays in contact, bumps the cover hard, bumps the bottom hard, is a lot of times what it takes to make one of those bigger ones bite. And, uh, you know, I do believe it's very important to stay in contact with the cover when you're fishing for big fish because uh, I just really feel that's how they eat a lot of times. They feed down or something. They feed on something as soon as it hits the cover. So I just feel that I can generate more of a kind of a reaction-type bite from bigger fish by using something more deliberate, like a heavy weight. Well, Keith, I'm going to really put you on the spot here, but what is it that Keith Combs does, thinks, or feels while you're out there on the water uh, fishing that can really be a adopted by or used by Bass Edge Nation anglers? That is a tough question to answer, but I can tell you one thing that has definitely helped me put key fish in the boat, and, uh, you know, this is more talking in a tournament situation, but, I mean, you can also, it's going to help you catch more fish, period, is really analyze, be real critical of yourself, and it's hard to do because you think you kind of get to a point in your fishing where your equipment is as good as it can be and you're doing everything right. But I really step back and look at every time that I lose a fish or miss a fish that I know I should have caught, you know, and fix it. I mean, take, uh, you know, look at your hooks, look at your line, look at your rod, look at possibly using a different bait. Could you generate that bite on a different bait? I, I would say that's a big thing. And it may not be a lot of fish that you're losing, but it may be one or two key fish that you wanted to catch when you were out there or that you have to catch if you're going to make a living fishing tournament. So I would say uh, be really critical and study every fish lost. You know, it's really easy to say, well, I didn't do anything wrong there. He just came off. You know, try to figure it out. It's, it's just as important to figure out why he lost that fish as it is to figure out why he bit. So uh, I would say that's something that somebody can do to help him catch more fish in the long run. Well, Keith, I'm going to let Bass Edge Nation in on a little secret. I am personally Keith's lucky charm in 2013. I got to let everybody know, every time Keith made a top 12, which was three this year, he made top 12 at the Falcon, of course, the Elite Series tournament that he won, and then West Point, and then again over at Lake St. Clair, and made a top 12 this year. We sat together at the Angler Meeting. So, Keith, what do you think? Do you think we'll spend some more time together next year at Angler Meetings? <laughs> I, I, I was thinking I may ask you if we could room together or something. <laughs> <laughs> 
that that is true. I didn't want to let that out to the to the general public, but uh, you were definitely good luck, my man. So I appreciate that. You know, this kind of leads into to the next question a, a little bit, and and that that's elite anglers kind of getting together and doing their thing, and sometimes talking, teaming up. It, it kind of all referencing the same thing. I've seen some of your interviews before and how you talk and what your feeling is but tell us here at Bass Edge Nation do you feel that you know these types of things can be detrimental to an angler development and how do you relate that to you know the recreational angler you know should they be teaming up and networking with other people listening to doc talk or how do you feel like their best foot forward is you know trying to get better at the sport that's a great question it's a tough one to answer but uh, I definitely don't think you should listen to Doc talk. But if you have one or two people that you can communicate well with, and I, and I really feel that that's the big deal there is communicate exactly what you're doing, then I think that that can be a good networking tool. There's no doubt that two anglers can cover water so much faster and pick up on things that, you know, one anger cannot. But, you know, for me, I choose to work for the most part alone. And, uh, you know, when it comes down to the official practice, I really try to stay to myself, do my own thing. But if I did have a person, you know, like growing up fishing team tournaments, the guy that I fished with, he can tell me something. You know, he can tell me that he's flipping a certain kind of dock. I can go up to that kind of dock and I can run that pattern. But, you know, what I've found is every angler has a different way of saying things. And uh, unless you really understand the way that, that person fishes, it can take a lot away from your day. So, you know, you may call your partner and he says, you know, I'm catching them this way. You go try that and it doesn't work for you. Well, you know, you've blown several hours out of your practice day, which is a big deal when you only have an you know, 8 to 12 hour practice day. So I would caution a guy to make sure that uh, he understands his partner really well, and it would probably help if they fished a lot together in the same boat, you know. But uh, I think networking or teaming up can be a great tool, but listening to people that you don't know that well or you don't have 100% trust in what they're telling you, I think that can be very detrimental. And I think dot talk is almost always detrimental. But, uh, you know, the networking or teaming up with one or two key people, it's a very successful thing for several angers on the Elite Series. All good stuff, and if we had one of those sound effect machines, I would actually be doing a drum roll right now, as it is the listener's question chosen for O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question segment, and that goes to Christopher from Glendale, New York. Christopher's question is as follows. He fishes a natural lake in New Jersey that has all types of underwater grass and topwater vegetation. He does quite well on most days fishing from his float tube, but he would like to know if there are any advanced techniques that he can use to punch through mats and lily pads that are out of reach. He usually fishes a 5-inch Cinco type bait unweighted, but he has been thinking of dropping some big jigs through the mats. He just doesn't want to get hung up on every cast. Keep in mind he is casting parallel to the cover as opposed to perpendicular like someone from the deck of the boat. I know the big mama bass are hiding there. He just does not want to spook them. What would you suggest? Keith, put him on the fish and how to catch him from a float tube. I've never fished from a float tube, but uh, I do think you can still catch those fish. The main difference would be, in a, you know, a bass boat, I could probably look down in the grass uh, a lot easier and, and maybe 
you know, I'm looking for something different. On every little flip, I'm looking for a little bit thicker mat or something like that. So that might be a little different than the float tube. But uh, there's definitely fish that are going to go under those mats to get away from things. And uh, if you're catching them on like a 5-inch Senko-type bait, unweighted already in that lake, I would probably, the first thing I would do is just beef that rig up. I would peg a, uh, depending on how thick the grass is, I would go with a 5 8 to a 3 quarter ounce tungsten sinker, peg it. Um, if you feel like the grass is thick enough, you're going to need braid. I would go with a good braid, 50, 60 pound. And that bait is going to be probably the most weedless thing you can punch into those mats. Go with a strong hook. You know, I use a four-eyed hack, striking hack attack hook on that kind of setup. But uh, be quiet. I mean, I, I caution you to approach those, those matted areas, those thicker grass areas, very quiet because you're going to need to get close to the fish. And um, a lot of times I don't feel like they're up under there necessarily like in a feeding mode. They're kind of up in there just hanging out. So uh, I think they're a little bit more spooky. So I would go in really quiet with your float and make as long a pitch as you feel like you can. But I think your bait's fine. You know, maybe start with that. And if you can't get bit on that, go up to a jig or something. But as far as a weedless bait and a bait that I've caught a lot of fish punching on is that soft plastic stick bait so just kind of beef up your rig be quiet and just flip in there and let the fish tell you the rest hey keith on your hook you had mentioned are you using a j-bend or just a straight shank hook it's just a straight shank and uh, that particular hook has a keeper on it it has a little plastic keeper so you know it's not going to let the bait slide down because uh, you definitely want to keep everything straight and streamlined so uh Great shank hook, but uh, I'm a real believer in that hook with that keeper. Thanks, Keith, for answering that. And, Christopher, all I can tell you is, is hang on, because if you do what Keith says, you're liable to get put up on plane in that float tube. But thank you for sending in your question, and congratulations for being chosen for the O'Reilly Auto Parts listener question segment. O'Reilly Auto Parts, the professional parts people. Christopher, simply send us an email and let us know that you heard your answer on the show, along with, quote, your last name, I apologize, but we did not have your last name to publish, and the mailing address, and we'll get that $100 O'Reilly Auto Parts gift card sent out. Just a reminder to the entire Bass Edge Nation, send in your questions to support at BassEdge.com or post on the Bass Edge Facebook page for your chance to win that gift card. Keith, it has been a pleasure having you here on Bass Edge Radio for the first time. What are your final thoughts for our Bass Edge Nation? Oh, it's been great being on the show, and I enjoy talking bass fishing, you know, anytime, anywhere. So I uh, just really appreciate you guys having me on the show. Well, thanks for being on the show. Let's take a quick break. You're listening to Bass Edge Radio. Now you can order Bass Edge Season 3 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing as host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Denny Brower, Boyd Duckett, Randy Howell, and Dave Wolak. This two-disc set includes all 13 episodes. That's over 10 hours of Bass Edge, including interviews, bloopers, and highlights, all for just $19.95. Order online at BassEdge.com. And be sure to check out previously released DVDs like Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 and Electronics 101. Bass Edge, Season 3, now on DVD at BassEdge.com. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift, 
Powerful deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent. Powerful won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Powerful. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit powerpole.com. Find a dealer near you. Hey, everybody. I'm Justin Lucas. I'm Jason Christie. This is FLW Tour Angler Brian Thrish. I'm Kevin Hawk, BASS Pro Pete Ponds. This is Skeet Reese, and you're tuned in to Bass Edge Radio. Kurt, it never seems to amaze me. Obviously, we have just a phenomenal talent pool to pick from on the interviews, but that was, I think, definitely one of the top most comprehensive interviews that we've had. Yeah, it definitely was. You know, Keith's able to really analyze what he's doing and break it down and, and let the listeners know, you know, why he is attacking something the way he is. And, and of course, you only have to listen to the interview once to realize, you know, he's got a totally different concept on fall fishing. A lot of guys, you know, talking about, uh, you all constantly hear the backs, the creeks, backs, the creeks. And, and look, you know, if I'm out on a, on a weekend and I'm a recreational angler, you know, I, I don't need to catch, you know, 30 or 40 fish if I did that last weekend i want to try something a little bit different and that's what keith's talking about you know going out there and staying a little bit deeper and catching some of those bigger fish but i don't know about you aaron but i, I like to catch a seven pounder or two or eight or, or nine <laughs> how about yeah, you absolutely absolutely and you know i think it's just a testament to kind of the the popularity of of bass edge radio goes back to all of our guests being willing to really dive into the nitty-gritty, you know, and get down and dirty with what they're doing and their thought processes that they are using while on the water. Yeah, no question about it. And, and Bass Edge Nation, I got to let you all know that we really appreciate, you know, getting those listener questions all the time. Always remember to send those in to support at BassEdge.com. And I'll tell you what, Aaron, you know, we've been getting a ton of traffic through the website, always a lot of traffic through our iTunes channel. And I want to really encourage our listeners to, to rate us on our iTunes. You know, we really love the feedback. We like to know what we're doing and really what you like to see. And let everybody else know what a great experience, hopefully, you're having here at Bass Edge Radio. Absolutely. Always good to hear from our listeners. I want to throw a shout-out to Keith Combs for taking time to chat you the listener for being part of the bass edge family and of course thanks to all the bass edge crew for getting it done technically for kurt dove i am aaron martin so long everybody you know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. The Edge is presented by KeelGuard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Lucas Oil Products, Mercury Marine, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com.